Before we get into the Word, let me just give you an update. We're very excited. As you know, we're now, we're in a full lease agreement on a brand new property, uh, 32,000 square feet. And... Uh, our kids' zone is going to be almost the size of this sanctuary, about three-fourths this size will be our kids' ministry. Just the older elementary, we've got five different rooms for our special needs, the TC Haven, and we've got two nurseries for our infants and our little guys, and, and we've got a big room about half this or a third this size for our toddlers. So our children's ministry is going to have all kind of room right now. Amen. And so uh, we're over there tearing out walls, tearing down walls, ripping out. We've had men and women showing up the last two days. We've got a lot done. But this week, we need the tear out completely done by Wednesday. And so any of you that can, if you're free from 8 o'clock in the morning till about 8 o'clock at night, we're going to have crews in there. And so if you're free to come out, do a broom, carry out drywall, rip down walls, whatever, uh, we got us paint, we got a spot for you, okay? And so we're doing it volunteer right now. We've got it almost about 80% of the tear out done, and it had not cost us a dime. Amen. So we're excited about that. Okay. And so thank you guys that have already been coming out. But we're in a brand new series that we're going to start because tomorrow we start our summer 21 days of prayer. Now let me just make sure so everybody understands. In January, we do prayer and fasting. And we fast and we give God the first 21 days of our year in prayer and fasting. In the summer, we do the 21 days of prayer. Fasting is optional. And I get a whole lot of amens, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, on that one, all right? Okay, but I do encourage you to take a couple days of that week and fast as you pray, all right? But tomorrow morning, we will be starting. Here's the exciting thing about this 21 days of prayer and fasting, or prayer in the summer. I'm so used to fasting with prayer. But uh, we're joining about 30,000 people around the country that are gonna be praying in these same 21 days because we're gonna be going live stream with Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. There's gonna be worship. There's gonna be a short word. And then we're all gonna be praying together. Can, can you imagine what heaven's gonna do when about 30,000 people are worshiping together at the same time every morning and they're hearing the same word and we're praying together across our nation? I just think God might honor some of that if my people who are called by my name. And so I want you to really try to be here every morning from six to seven. We're gonna be here Monday through Friday. Come early before work. If you can only stay 30 minutes, come give whatever you can in prayer. And then Saturday, it'll be nine from 10. But how many knows this? We're especially making this new move. Prayer has to be the foundation of everything. And so we really wanna encourage you to come out and join us throughout these 21 days in the morning from six to seven. Encourage all the teenagers to come that can before school. And we've always had a great turnout of our teens. And so we encourage them to come and join us as well. So we're gonna start a series going along with these 21 days called Prayer Works. How many's glad prayer still works, amen? So get your notes out, get ready to ride. If you get a little warm, bump your neighbor and say, fan me a few minutes, all right? And uh, we'll help you and get everybody through this. And next week, I promise you, they're gonna be working, all right? Okay, Philippians, let's go to our text. We're gonna use all month long. Do not be anxious. I mean, can we stop right there? Do not be anxious about anything. How many will agree with me? Boy, the devil's really using that one right there. Amen. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let me say here, what he said there is that when you present that request to God, don't be anxious, but by prayer 
and petition, you present your need to God with thanksgiving. You should never bring a request to God without thanking him for what he's already done. And when we do that, the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You see, one of the greatest assets and honors that we have as believers today is that we have the opportunity to come boldly into the throne and the grace of Jesus, that we have access to the God who's in charge of all of this. And one of the greatest honors we have is to have that access to God and to the power of his Holy Spirit that all of a sudden we can come in and, and connect with him and we can understand when the writer said, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who now lives inside of me. And so understanding the necessity of prayer is not enough. And that's one of my big concerns of this generation coming is that it's very good at bringing great church, but I, I sense a great loss of the understanding of the need of prayer in the generation that's coming up of ministry. And I wanna tell you something, you can be the best you can be, but it doesn't make it productive if it's not bathed in prayer first. And we've got to understand, and you and I have to understand, you can be the best husband, the best father, you can do all that, but if there's not prayer in your life, the missing link is taking place, that everything starts and is grounded in prayer. And so prayer becomes a daily part of our life, that, that you do it every day, and it's not that I have to do this, I want to do this. This is part of who I am. I, I'm allowed now to come into the very presence of God and commune with him in prayer. And so I want to talk to you today. First Thessalonians says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Look, look at the pattern he lays us here. Number one is rejoice. How many here's got some stuff going on? How many here can say God's been good to me? And so I, I've got some stuff going on, but the first thing I do is rejoice and what God's already done for me. And then I pray continually over what's going on in the stuff, and then I'm giving thanks in every circumstance. That there's a pattern that we establish in our life. So I wanna share with you four imperatives to effective prayer. That if we're gonna pray, let's learn how to pray effectively so that it produces something. And so I wanna share with you four imperatives to effective prayer. Get your notes out. Number one is we must abide. We must abide. John says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, I've done it before, but I want to just bring some nuggets in from the, the tabernacle because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it shares with us that that the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what we're gonna see in the New Testament, the Old Testament being physical, the New Testament being spiritual. And he comes in and he shares this with us, and the tabernacle gives us a pattern of prayer, how to pray. And so the priest comes in the tabernacle, and we're talking about abiding. The priest comes in the tabernacle, and the first place he's gonna stop, and it should be your first place in your prayer, whenever you pray, is an altar. And the altar was a place that signified death, the blood. And to us, it represents the cross. 
and that every time we pray, the first thing we do is we acknowledge that without you and without the cross, I couldn't be here. But I thank God for the cross. I thank God for Jesus. I thank God for the sacrifice that you paid for my life, that I can be here today. And we acknowledge that we're lost without him and we need him in our life. And then the priest would go to the laver. And the laver was a a brazen brass element there filled with water. But it was a mirror that he would see himself and he would examine himself daily. And there he would wash his hands and wash his feet and at times on ceremonies wash his whole body because he was about to enter into to the holy place, the presence of God. And and it's a sign to us that if we're going to abide with God, if we're going to abide with him and him abide with us, it requires us acknowledging the cross, acknowledging the need of Jesus in our life, and then examining ourselves daily that I'm asking God, if there be any sin in me, reveal it to me. Any wrong in my heart, reveal it to me because I want to abide in you and I want you to abide in me and together we're gonna become a unit that's gonna do amazing things here on this earth. And so it's abiding. And God is saying, if you're gonna have a strong prayer life, there must be abiding in Christ. And when you abide in Christ, here's the secret. When you abide in Christ, I'm yielding myself to his will. When we abide with Christ, it's no longer I'm in right field and he's in left field. We're both in center field together. And so we're not over here asking for something that he has no concern over. But we're now connected with him. We're abiding in him and he's abiding in us. And he said, when you're abiding in me and I'm abiding you, you're gonna pray. But when you pray, your requests and your desires are gonna already line up with his will. Are you with me today? Because I'm abiding in him and he's abiding in me. So I'm not asking for him. How many in here today, if God had answered every prayer you pray, you'd either be dead or in prison probably right now. Come on, help me in here, okay? Why? Because you were in right field and he was in left field. You weren't abiding together. You were just calling out. There hadn't been an altar. There hadn't been a laver. You're just calling out in desperation. But when I'm in relationship with him and I'm abiding in him, my requests are gonna already be fitting in with God's perfect will in my life. And so our first desire in our prayer life is that we abide in him. And let me just say this today. Many within the church, and I'm watching this across the nation right now, social media is just blowing it up, that many across the church have grown weary and they've lost heart and all that's going on in our society today. And if you're one of those, especially those that are 40 and up, I'm not even close to that anymore, but 40 and up, the reason that we're so wearied and we're losing heart is we fixed our eyes on a political system and we fixed our eyes on political personalities and we fixed our eyes on an economy on the level of hate and discord and division that's filling our country, and we're growing weary. And I just wanna say a word to you today. You, you need to take a breath, step back, and knock it off. Just knock it off. Because I wanna share this with you today. We're freaking out the next generation. Because they're seeing us out here. Listen, here's what they're seeing. Boy, if Hillary gets in, America's doomed. Well, if Trump gets in, we're done. Well, one of them's getting in. And if they listen to you, we're doomed or done. And both are far from the truth. Nothing's farther from the truth. Government matters, policies matter, but nothing matters more to America today than a group of men and women of a little word called faith. 
That's what matters right now in America. Yes, political things and issues count. Yes, they're important, but they're not the final say-so. It's when God can find another Ezekiel or Joseph or an Esther that will become a person of faith. He'll change nations through them. He doesn't need an army. He needs you. And through you and I, he'll build an army. But you see, we've got to come and realize that, that this is not the first time. God demonstrated this in the Old Testament with Pharaoh. When, when the new Pharaoh took over and, and, and he doubled the task of the Israelites and he, and he put them under greater bondage, the Bible said, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. I wanna tell you, God in heaven has not turned his back on persecuted Christians or, or the battle that Christianity is facing today. God hasn't turned his back on us. Just like he saw in the Old Testament, he's seeing right now. And just like he went in, and here's what I want you to get. Pharaoh was the monarch. He was the dude. He was the guy. He had the law in his hand and he made the law. He thought he was in charge, but God used him like a puppet on a string. And when he thought he was in charge. God was hardening his heart and softening his heart. Hardening his heart and softening his heart to get his people, the Israelites, in a position that Pharaoh would not only let them go, he would ask them to go. And I want to tell you, it's in the New Testament. When Pilate he pointed at Jesus and said, he's guilty, crucify him, put him to death. Pilate was the governor. He was the man in charge. He was the political authority of the day. And he put Jesus to death. But three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and he became the authority again and is still an authority now. And the only reason you know about Pilate is he's in the biography of Jesus. If you didn't know Jesus, you wouldn't know Pilate. And can I tell you, there's governors and there's presidents, but we're following the king. And when your view and your eye is on what the people in power are doing, you gotta remember there's still a king that everybody else, everybody else are pawns to. And God's moving the pieces where he wants them to be for the greatest revival that America's ever seen, and you and I get to be a part of that. And so when we're abiding, when we're abiding in him, all of a sudden we have a new concept of life. Yes, these things are important, but they don't have the final say-so. God does. And when I abide in him, there's this confidence that comes. There's this assurance that comes because I know I'm in him and he's in me. And then he comes and he says, okay, if you're abiding in me, then I want you to ask. But see, you don't ask before you're abiding. How many besides me has done that? You know your prayer life wasn't right. You hadn't been in the word this week. You've had an attitude. You done blew off on somebody. And then I'm in a situation where I need help and I run to the throne of God and go, I have no right being here. Probably not gonna hear a thing I got to say. Come on, anybody besides me been there? But man, when you're abiding with him, all of a sudden there's this confidence of asking. And when you ask, that, that priest would leave the laver and he will go into the holy place and the first thing he would go to is on the right, the north side, and it's called the table of showbread. And here's what I want you to get. It's a bread of presence. 
The table of showbread was a picture of God's desire of fellowship and communion. It's an open invitation to share a meal, a friendship of fellowship with God. And God, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And so what he's showing us here through the table of showbread is that Jesus is saying, I want to commune with you. I want to, I want to have lunch with you. I want to dine with you. I want to get to know you. I want to build friendship with you. And Jesus showed that by going to the houses and eating with tax collectors and prostitutes. And, and people of the world and of sin, that Jesus was saying, I'm the bread of life. I want you to come and eat of this. I want you to come and partake of this. And, and if you eat of this and you drink of this, you'll never hunger or thirst again. He was demonstrating that he, he wants to abide, but he's telling us as the church through the table of showbread that I want to be that bread of life to you. I, I want you to ask. And, and here's what he's saying. He said, I want to go to lunch with you. I, I want to sit down with you. See, we've got this mindset that God's up here on this throne. He's this big monster. He's got a two by four in each hand just waiting for us to mess up and bam, he's got us and we're down there some little peon and then we're running to this big monster at just like this seeing if we can ask for something and God's so, and it doesn't work like that. If you're abiding in me and I'm abiding in you, come, let us reason together, Jesus said. Let's go to lunch together and let's talk this out and across the table, tell me what you need. Come on, how many's glad you serve a Jesus like that? Amen. And and I've got four grandchildren, and they ask for stuff a lot. You know what I'm saying? And and I want them to. And their parents try to don't don't ask Papa for no money. Don't ask Papa. I said, you leave them alone. Let them ask. Because I want them to ask. You know what I want them to ask? Because they know if Papa has it, they can get it. <laughs> and I want them to come and ask. I love it when they ask. Let them ask. Now, when our children asked, we said, get a job. <laughs> but them grandchildren, any grandparents in here know what I'm talking about? Just ask for anything you want, you get it. But that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you abide in me and I abide in you, I'm that, that, I'm that showbread. I hope you're getting this today. I just, I want to go to lunch with you. And I want you to tell me what you need. I want you to tell me what's on your heart. Tell, tell me what's in your life. Tell, tell me what. It, it isn't this thing that you got to convince me that you need it. I'm your father. I want to bless you, but I need you to tell me. Now, everybody look at me for a second. Thinking is not praying. Thinking is not asking God for anything. You can think it. How many thought yourself out of losing weight and it didn't work? Come on, how many besides me has done that? You know, in 30 days, I'm going to look like that. In 30 days, I've gained three pounds. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But I've lost nine over the last five days. Just want y'all to know that. Yep. But what am I saying? I can think that I love her, and I can think that she's beautiful and she's both. But if I don't tell her, she don't get it. And God's saying, I don't want you to think anything. I want you to tell me. I want to hear it from you. And thinking is not praying. Praying is when you speak it forth. And God is saying, I want you to go to lunch with me. I want to commune with you. I want to be friends with you. I want to be a fellowship with you because we're abiding together now. And in that relationship, I want you to tell me what you need. Come on, you with me? And so we're abiding in him. He's abiding in us. And now there's a relationship that allows God to, to come into our life and we can come and ask God. And I want to challenge some of you. First of all, is focus on your abiding in God. Focus on that area first, and then I want some of you to start telling God in a sense of, of speaking it, asking it, bringing it forth, declaring it, and asking God for what you need in your life.
And then number three, it moves us into believe. I want to abide. I need to ask. But then I need to believe. And believe comes from the lampstand, the golden lampstand. That, that priest would leave the showbread and then he would move over to the golden lampstand and, and the lampstand was the only light in the tabernacle that gave light to the priest so that they could serve the tabernacle. And it kept going. They would, they would trim it daily and keep the oil that it never went out. And so the light allowed the light to take place. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The candlestick had one main central branch on it, but then three branches on each side. The main branch represents Jesus, but the outside three branches represent us, the body. And Jesus is saying that he's right there with us, but then he says, I want you to come. I want you to abide with me. I want you to ask what you will, but then when you ask I want you to believe. I, I want to be in such a relationship with you that when my granddaughter says, Papa, do you, can I get $5? And I go, yeah. She knows she's leaving with $5 if I said yes. And God's wanting you and I to get to that place that when we come to God and we ask of him that we believe in our heart that God's going to answer that request that's in our life, that, that we truly, truly believe it. And so when we come to this, it says in Matthew, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. That we begin to believe that we're going to watch God do that. And how many knows that's where the enemy steps in? And he wants to bring this thing called doubt in your life. Doubt that, that I pray and I ask, and then all of a sudden, I'm not sure. I just don't know if God's going to do that. I don't see God doing anything yet. And God answers every prayer you and I pray immediately. Yes, he does. Yes, no, or wait. He really does. And I don't like the wait part. But we've got to come and understand that when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit's making intercession on our behalf. And that we come and understand that God is saying, I want you to pray and I want you to believe. But we've got to battle this thing called doubt. James puts it like this. But when you ask, you must believe, there it is, and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know what doubt does? It voids out your prayer. And I've watched people do that in all 36 years of my ministry. They'll come in and talk to you and pray with you and cry. And here's what I got, Pastor. And, and you'll sit there and you'll counsel them and you'll pray with them and you'll pour your heart into them. And they don't even get to their car yet. And they're in conversation with people. Yeah, I was praying, but I doubt that's going to happen. I'm like, I want to send you a bill now. <laughs> Why did we just have that prayer and conversation? That if you're going to pray, believe. Believe for it. If it's that important to you to ask God for it, then believe for it, pray for it, ask God for it. It may not happen the way you thought. We've looked at two buildings. We were on the day of signing the contract on one of them, and they sold it out from under us. 
I mean, it just slammed it in our face. I mean, it was just like, you don't know the hours that I've prayed in these altars and at my home and at the water and everywhere else that, God, you know what we need. You know what we need. You know what we need. We're trusting you. I'm believing in you. You know what we've got to have as a church. And, and door gets slammed and door gets slammed. And you can get frustrated and you can start going, is that ever going to happen? But you can't. you got to keep getting up every day and going, God, my marriage, my finances, my health, whatever the need is in my life, you just keep asking and keep believing. And then all all of a sudden, we didn't even knock on the door we're going into. That door came and called us. And it came and it was just so much has been God. It's a God thing that God is blessing this church with way less expense that we're going to have. And it's going to give us more space than we thought about. And God is just doing the thing. You've got to stay focused and keep believing and keep believing. And when you don't see it happen, don't move into doubt. Because if you pray, everybody look at me again. If you pray and God doesn't answer your prayer, it means he's got a better idea than what you're praying. If you don't believe that, go ask the three Hebrew children. Because when they were getting ready to be thrown in that fire, they're going, help! God says, nah, I ain't gonna get, I'm going to do something better than that. I could deliver you, but what if I get in it with you? Because when I get in it with you, a whole nation's about to be converted. See, they were just seeing three of them. God was looking at a whole nation. Uh, go talk to Daniel. You know, thrown in a lion's den. Yeah, he wasn't going, hey, this ain't no bad thing. It's pretty cool. Nah, the dude's freaking out. He's fixing to go down to a bunch of hungry lions. He's calling out to God for help. God says, nah, you know what? What if I just get in there with you for the night and hang out? Because the king's going to come back in the morning. When he sees you okay, we're going to win a whole nation in this, dude. Yeah, can I tell you this today? I'm gonna keep asking you to look at me because I want y'all to get this today. You and I only see a piece of the puzzle when God sees the whole picture. And when we abide in him and he abides in us, what we ask is gonna line up with the picture, not just our piece of the puzzle. And we can't get frustrated if God says no or wait because God's seeing the whole picture when all we get to see is our piece of the puzzle. But when I come and I believe and I move into this relationship of God of abiding and asking, I can believe and I can believe with all of my heart that God is going to answer this miracle. It may come different than what I ask, but it's going to come. And that moves us into the other side. And it's in your notes where the disciples came to Jesus and there was a blind boy. And they asked him, they said, is, is he blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? And Jesus said, no, he wasn't blind for either one. He is blind because through this, I'm going to bring glory to the kingdom. And I don't understand that. That makes no sense to me. But you've got to understand today that God's seeing the whole picture when we only get to see a piece of the puzzle. I don't know why my grandson's been diagnosed terminal. I mean, we've had it. We've had several people say, well, there's sin in the family. Well, if you will point it out, I'll cut it out with a knife. Oh, we're, we still battle with sin. But if my grandson's getting punished because of my sin, you can have that God because I don't want him. Don't want him. Because the God I serve don't operate like that. God's using Jabin to reach more people than most preachers will ever get to reach. Now, I'm still believing for his healing. 
I'm still believing for a miracle. But right now, I've got to deal with what I see. And I can get mad, or I can say, you're bigger than this. And you've got this under control. And I'm still believing in you, whether you answer yes, no, or wait. I just know that I'm part of the picture. I'm part of the whole puzzle. I'm part of the whole thing. And today, I'm going to honor you and glory you in it. And I'm going to believe in you every day of my life. Come on, you with me today? And so we got to come and, and believe. Never stop believing. Here's the truth. I don't have to understand God to trust and believe in him. I don't have to understand him to trust and believe in him. So the Holy Spirit uses three basic means to produce faith. Let me give these to you very quickly. Number one, he uses the written word. The Holy Spirit uses the written word of God. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the preaching of the word of Christ. Scripture teaches us about the character of God, his love, his wisdom, his power, and his works as well as his sovereignty. And the more you know God through his word, the more you will trust him with your needs. Get in God's word, be in God's word daily. Number two, fellowship with other believers, circumstances and experience. The Holy Spirit uses these to build our faith in God. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And, and we do that in small groups as we're getting ready to start another semester of small groups, that, that fellowship and relationship, the Holy Spirit uses that to, to bring faith in our hearts and in our lives. And we're watching that happen in this church as our small groups are really growing and building. And I have not counseled one person in this church over an issue in nine months because our small groups are taking care of that, as relationships are being built and accountability has been established between people and they're talking and they're meeting over coffee and the Holy Spirit uses that relationship. All you need for salvation is Jesus, but for your freedom and deliverance to take place in your life, God uses other people. And you better have some of those people in your life. And the Holy Spirit takes those relationships and they become that catalyst to the freedom and the deliverance that we're looking for in our lives. Our circumstances and our experiences, God uses those and, and, and doesn't, how many of you have had some experiences that now the Holy Spirit that you thought were gonna destroy you, but now they're the catalyst to get you where you're going and believe in God for the next miracle in your life. Come on, anybody with me? And, and that's, we saw that with my son Tommy back there who was in a motorcycle accident several years ago. And 24 days, he was on life support with zero chance to live and, 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 and in, in intensive care for two and a half months. And, and we walked through that and we watched the hand of God work. We watched the miracle come. And I want to tell you, that experience is the one that wakes me up every day going, if he did it then, he can do it again in my grandson. He can do it in your child. He can do it in your family. He can do it in your situation that the Holy Spirit takes our circumstances of old and experiences of old and he brings us into a place that if God did it then, he can do it again now. And then thirdly, by strong convictions and impressions, Philippians says, Paul said, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose these convictions and impressions that God, he begins to impress us. He begins to bring these impressions in us that, that God can do this, that, that God's got this. He, he begins to convict us that, no, I'm not gonna go back to that doubt. I'm not gonna go back to that fear, but God's got this. How many can say it today? God's got this. And he impresses that in your heart. 
then last of all, he wants you to receive. He wants you to receive. Boy, here's where we draw a line oftentimes and we just don't get it. Anybody here in sales? Sales? How many knows if you're in sales and you don't close the deal? You broke. You can be the best presenter in the world, but if you can't close that deal and get the check, you broke. And can I tell you this? You can pray for 24 hours, but if you can't close the deal, you don't get your miracle. You don't get your breakthrough. Because here, listen, this is on us, not on God. This is our part. This is closing the deal. Not only do I abide in you, not only am I asking from you, not only am I believing in you, but you know what? I'm going to receive from you. I'm going to get what's rightfully mine. And the altar of incense is the place that represents this receiving part because that's where the priest would come and every morning and every evening he would, he would come and he would offer up an offering of incense, a burnt offering unto the Lord that would keep the atmosphere of that tabernacle with the presence of God all day long. And every morning he's offering up worship. Every morning he's offering up adoration to the Lord. Every evening he's doing that. And what is he doing? He's keeping the atmosphere of his day centered around the presence of God. And that's where we receive when we learn to keep the atmosphere of our day. Everybody with me? That you can go do all of this, but if you're scattered all over the place all day long, spiritually, emotionally, and everything else, and then you're believing God. No, you've got to come daily. That's why we give God the first of our morning. We give God the first of our day, a moment of worship and a time in the word so that we're setting the stage of an atmosphere that God can minister in our life throughout that day. We're ready to receive. If I haven't talked to him all day or this week, my heart's not ready to receive anything that he's got for me. But if I'm in fellowship with him this morning, I've set the stage of an atmosphere of worship and the presence of God that God can come today and your miracle can just be one second, one prayer one song, one worship away, your miracle can be there waiting for you. It's that we begin to receive. And I just want to challenge some of you in this building today that you've been praying over some stuff for a long time is get the pattern. Get in the pattern. Let your focus be not on your need today, but on abiding. Abiding with him and him abiding in you. Then begin to share and ask him across the table of communion, not this God that's a distance away. Begin to commune with him and share with him your heart and what you need. Then begin to believe for it. Begin to look for it. Begin to expect it. And when it comes, get it. Because many times it's right in front of us and we're at that point, well, I don't deserve that. You better take it. And receive what God wants for you because he's a father in heaven, the Bible says, who delights in blessing his children. And he wants us to receive the goodness of the Lord. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How many will go into these 21 days of prayer with me with a heart of, of expectation 
that we're gonna watch God. These 21 days of prayer, we've seen unbelievable things happen in the, in the spiritual and in the natural through these prayers. We have a family in this church right now. We just showed their video weeks ago that was at the brink of divorce for years, many years. But in that 21 day of prayer, God spoke. We didn't do it, we didn't even know he did it. God has totally restored that marriage. I mean, they act like teenagers now around each other. We have to tell them, get a room. But God can do that. And I wanna challenge you today, start asking, start believing, and then start receiving. Let's watch God do some amazing things. I'm, I'm looking forward to testimonies pouring into this church over these next several weeks of God answering our prayer, hearing our heart, sitting at the table with us. Watch God do amazing breakthroughs in your life in Jesus' name. Will you receive that? You receive that? Let's give him praise for his word today. So I'm gonna challenge you again. Every day this week, if you can, six to seven, come and pray with us. Set that time aside, come and pray. If you've never been in a prayer service like that, it'll be life-changing for you, I promise. I promise you it will. If you can only stay 10, 30 minutes, doesn't matter, come and give what you can. We're gonna let God hear us call on him. It's gonna be amazing. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment? I just wanna to talk to you for a second. And if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm at point one, I'm at the start, I'm at the starting line. I need Jesus in my life today. I, I'm not where I need to be with God. I need a spiritual, spiritual change in my life. I need new direction. I need you to pray for me. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna come to you. I just wanna pray for you right now. If that's you, would you just lift a hand wherever you sit? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, you. Amen, several hands going up. Anyone else? You say, that's me today. I need a new start. I need to start over. I just need Jesus. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. It's about six, seven hands. Anyone else before we pray? I just want to pray for you today. I need Jesus in my life. Pray for me. If you raised your hand or you did not, maybe you're on live stream and you need to pray with us today. Pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth, that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap for about eight hands that were raised.